Hey everyone, and welcome to But That's Just My Opinion, the podcast hosted by me, Matt Landtrip. And co-hosted by me, David Navarro. Where we talk about opinions that we have and stuff, and I just totally screwed up the intro, but whatever, because it's just a me and David episode. Moving on. <laughs> so, today, uh, we are going to talk about a subject David wants to talk about. He uh, brought up some, we, as you've noticed, this podcast may have gone more movie-oriented once David got on here. We've talked yeah. about movies before. I here's the thing I love and hate movies and I love to hate movies specifically yeah. he's a true nerd he's um, a true internet troll so I have a lot a lot of my opinions uh, that aren't like philosophy based and or like religious based are very heavily movie based uh, so this week I have a very strong opinion about cineverses uh, this is kind of coming on the tails of Matt and I last week instead of recording an episode uh, we decided that we were going to go and see Kong Skull Island which uh, I enjoyed it was not, we'll do a quick review. Yeah, it's Just to it's set hot up garbage. why we want to talk about this. It's super hot garbage. See, that's the thing. I don't think it's hot garbage in the fact that I actually had fun. To me, hot garbage is I just didn't enjoy it at all. Well, We had a lot of fun. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, we had a lot of fun because I love hot garbage movies. <laughs> like, I love sitting there and like, oh my God, this is so bad. And here's the thing is this movie is deceptive because it opens up with a really, really great sequence. And then it gets real bad. It gets super campy. So it doesn't start off campy, but then gets real campy. Yeah, I don't know if campy is the right word. Um, Once John C. Riley's introduced, it's campy. He's a little campy, maybe. I think John C. Riley might have been the best element of that movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, I, I mean, it's worth it's worth to see, I think, just because it's well, another... Watch it when it comes out or at the re- second run theater. Yeah, catch it, catch it at Redbox or catch it on, you know, it'll eventually be on Netflix or HBO Now or whatever Universal is paired with right now. Um, it'll be fine. It's it's a totally mediocre f- film, um, but it's part of a Cineverse, and so it's now like you got to see the goddamn Cineverse movies because it's like a four movie arc, and like for some reason that's important now. Um, this ties into Godzilla for those of you who don't know. For spoilers. the original, well, it's not so much spoilers. It's already announced twenty twenty. We're getting a Kong versus Godzilla movie, mm-hmm. um, and then I think it's like twenty eighteen. We're getting. Godzilla uh, 2. Godzilla 2. Godzilla uh, King of Monsters. Yeah. Which um, I think is where they're going to introduce Hydra and Mothra. And- yeah. And these are all hinted at the end of this movie. Uh, there's a post-credit sequence. Stay. Watch it. It makes no sense, but watch it. There's other monsters. And then a montage of photos yeah, to show other Godzilla monsters. See, now we're in spoiler territory. Uh, but I, here's here's the point I want to make. is There is, or at least there was, a successful Cineverse in our lifetime. Um, there's one that I can think of, and then there are a lot of attempts at new ones. Fast and the Furious. Uh, obviously. Fast <laughs> and the Furious is amazing. The most successful Cineverse ever. But also not a Cineverse. Um, it's, it's, a, Kinda. it's a series. It's not oh, a, I guess that's true. I, mean? I guess that's Harry true. Potter used to be a series. Now it's a Cineverse because we have tie-in movies. Okay. Um, I just, anytime I can bring up Fast and the Furious. I, yeah, I no, Fast so. and the Furious is, I think, it's, it's one of those anomalies of, like, even the bad movies are great for some reason. Um, and they're not great movies. They're just like, they're fun. But then you have movie series like Harry Potter, where there's nine in the original run. No, there's eight in the original run. And now they're introducing tie-in movies um, like we just got with uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And it, that's super hot garbage, and there's going to be a sequel to that. Like Now that's where it becomes a Cineverse. Now it's in the same world, but it's not the same story. In The Fast and the Furious, it's more or less the same story. story. Right? Same just, characters yeah. all the time, yeah. Exactly. We're not exploring new themes. We're not exploring new territory. Um, we're oh, basically they just, explore new territory. They go to multiple different. Oh yeah, countries. they go. To, <laughs> yeah, geographically, we're in different territory, but they're not really trying to make new movies. Different movies of different styles. 
um but then I you have to differ there is a submarine chasing people on the new one yeah have you seen it yet wait it's no, not out yet no we're talking about um yeah i can't wait to see it now then you have stuff like dcu which is also just hot garbage um because i think we can finally discern that Zack snyder is not a good filmmaker my my thing is about Zack Snyder, and you can go back and listen to an early episode with Reed Ackerman where we talk about the Snyderverse of DCU, and uh, we agree that Zack Snyder makes the best-looking trailers and mm. action montages. Yeah. His action montages are great. I want to run you down uh, Zack Snyder's filmography really quickly. Okay. Uh, 2004, we got the Dawn of the Dead remake. Which is actually very good. Super solid. Look up who wrote that for um, a second, because I forgot who wrote it, but it's actually very surprising. It is written by James Gunn. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, James Gunn wrote that. The guy who made Guardians of the Galaxy, Super Slither, mm-hmm. uh, produced wrote the Dawn of the Dead remake. Wrote the Dawn of the Dead. Hey, remake. the Dawn Which of the Dead remake it's so good. Totally works. Um, yeah, I I don't think here, here there's like four or five sequences in that film that I think are exceptional, and then the rest of the movie is like serviceable. So it's like it's a solid film. I think if you want to watch a modern zombie movie and you don't want to watch a good one like Twenty Eight Days Later. Uh, yeah. This is definitely like one of those that you can like throw on. It's good. It's bloody. It's funny. Uh, it's scary for sure. Uh, but it's a solid movie. That uh, opening sequence alone, you're just like, yeah, no, wow, absolutely. Here's the fan. Everything has hit it from moment one. Oh yeah. Uh, and then you have the follow up uh, 300, um, which is iconic for a lot of reasons, mm-hmm. mostly visual reasons, uh, yeah. as we've talked about previously on this episode or on this show. That movie was cut down from what it used to be to what it currently is, uh, and probably for the better. Yeah, and visually, it's—I mean, there's a reason people want to go see it because visually, it was great. Right, and then you have the movie that like made Zack Snyder, like not just like the man because 300 like put him on the map, but like then this movie came out and it's like, oh, this guy makes good movies, and that was Watchmen. Yeah, so Watchmen come out and one of my favorite. Yeah, movies, I mean, one actually. of the greats. I mean, especially director's cut. Oh, uh, just a phenomenal. And we've talked about that. We've done this podcast before. Yeah, just a couple weeks ago. Uh, but then, <laughs> then, then things take a bad turn. Oh, the Guardian. Uh, well, first, yeah. Then we have Legend, Legend of the Guardians, the Owls of Gahul, <laughs> um, which you may remember for all of its critical fame and success. Uh, you remember the one yeah, the animated w- film about the owls mm-hmm. that are somehow attack birds? Directed by Zack Snyder. Yeah, which uh, is very surprising. Followed up, written, produced, directed. Uh, man, excuse me. Uh, written, produced, directed. Sucker Punch, um, which was trailer bait. I did not see it after so many bad reviews. Um, I, I've seen it like twice, and I don't know if I'll ever have to see it again. And if I have to see it again, I think I might have to get really drunk before I do. <laughs> uh, we follow that up with the 2013 critical fuck up Man of Steel. Um, bad Superman movie. Bad I'm movie. St- I don't want. I don't like walking out of movies being like. Yeah, I didn't yeah, walk out just, of that movie, I but just, I wanted I to. Just, like, that's uh, a 45-minute climax sequence that is annoying. After about a half an hour, I was sitting there like, I'm nauseous because of how much flying we're doing and how much, like, this is just jarring emotionally. We follow that up with a uh, 300 sequel, Rise of an Empire, um, largely ignored by the public. He didn't really do any of that, though. Uh, no, you're right. He didn't direct, but he, he did write a, and produce. He wrote, okay. He was probably like just a supervisor yeah. on the whole thing. I don't think he had too much involvement because he's knee deep in yeah, he's uh, knee deep in, in DC, DC stuff. Because then he followed that up with BBS Donna Justice, uh, which he did direct, did not produce or write. Um, but that's a real bad one. That's a real bad one. It's yeah. trailer bait. It's trailer bait. It's a visual style thing, but it doesn't work. Uh, follow that up with Suicide Squad, which he only EP'd. 
and he was a guest director for some sequences. I believe it was the Batman sequences he guest directed. That makes sense. Um, but that's real hot garbage. Who's the writer on those on BVS? And I want to say they're the same writer on BVS and Suicide Squad. Yeah, BVS is written by uh, a team of David Esquire and Chris Terrio. Uh, I don't know any of those gentlemen. And David then, S. Goyer is pretty much always been Zack Snyder's like writing buddy okay. and partner. Uh, Suicide Squad is written by David Ayer. Okay, David Ayer is the good writer. David S. Goyer is bad. Well, both those movies were awful. So I don't. Now, now here's the thing. That's the thing. I think David Goyer coming in and taking David Ayer's script because David Ayer is a guy who wrote like Fury and End of Watch and stuff like okay, that. Okay, for sure. So that's you're like, oh, should be yeah. good, right? It's when David Goyer gets involved that you're just like... Well, even Ugh. still. Even still. So here's here's the count so far. So you got Dawn of the Dead 300 Watchmen. I'm going to count as the Snyder Good Films. Three. Now, Matt, keep tracking your fingers. Legend of Guardians, Sucker Punch, Man of Steel, 300, BVS, Suicide Squad. How many is that? Five. But you didn't count? No. Okay. <laughs> Legends of Cool, Sucker Punch. We're both with counting on our fingers. Why do you have three out of two? <laughs> Sucker Punch and Legends. That's all I've said so far. That's two. Why do you have three fingers <laughs> up? Okay. Starting over. Legend of the Guardians, Sucker Punch, Man of Steel, 300 Rise of an Empire, BVS, Suicide Squad. So that's a two-to-one ratio. That's six movies. Okay. That's I a would, two-to-one ratio I would not, bad to good. I still wouldn't count... Legends of the Cool? No. I count that. Uh, the second 300 movie. Uh, okay. So so let's not count it in the talk, or let's not... Yeah, I don't. I think it just needs to be thrown out, because okay. I don't think it's, he really yeah, had he that didn't much direct, involvement. He, doesn't seem, he, he only wrote and produced the fucking thing, but yeah, he didn't do anything with it. So let's just knock it off. So it, it doesn't count as a Snyder film. It's five to, to three still, which is a bad ratio. Oh, yeah. I'm for, not, I'm not saying... Movies. I just I just personally don't believe he really had that much involvement. Is he the only writer? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I'm moving on to doesn't my matter. next point now. Um so here's here's where we get a little interesting for me. Uh, all of this is based off of, and I don't think we've mentioned this once yet. <laughs> all of this is based off of the one good Cineverse that exists, or at least did exist. Oh, you anticipated my answer. That's yeah, because <laughs> currently it seems to be on a downswing, and I have a very strong opinion about that as well. However, it seems as though the MCU, as it was during its first arc leading into the Avengers, it may be the only good Cineverse to date. MCU, for anyone out there, is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Correct. Which includes um, the television shows now, but I feel like that's a whole different Right, we're just going to be talking about the film universe, because I don't, I don't know if I necessarily count uh, all of those all that much. Yeah, I get you. Uh now here's here's something interesting, where we can kind of like definitively say that Zack Snyder is a bad director, and basing an entire series of films off a bad director is gonna is gonna elicit bad results. Well, let's get on to really quickly my follow up argument, John Favreau. John Favreau. John Favreau. Now, now I will I will put out there easily. That there are some stinkers on this list. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen a couple of them. But, but here's his directorial list. Um, not including TV movies or TV series, which Undeclared is one of his TV series. Uh, for one episode, at least. Um, yeah, so that doesn't count. Made, which I've never seen before. Which I've heard is very good. Why is Swingers not on here? Did he not direct Swingers? He should have. Hold on. Let me bring up his Wikipedia page, because that might be more accurate. What are you looking at, IMDb? I am. And they've got it broken up really awkwardly. Um, I feel like the Wikipedia breakdown just always makes more sense. Well, here's the difference. 
before you're going in, before you start listing off again, because I don't think we need another list episode like we did. Well, I, I know. I'm, I'm really, really quickly, though. Really quickly. Yeah. First off, he has, a, he has a wealth of films that would get, date all the way back to 1992. But he's got under his belt um, as a producer, or excuse me, as a director. Let's just go director. He's directed Maid, Elf, uh, Zathura. Zathura is a big stinker. But then Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Cowboys and Aliens. Why is Swingers not on I guess his? he didn't direct it. Did he not direct Swingers? That's mad. He may have just No, he wrote produced it. and wrote. Yeah. Um, but Swingers, he wrote. The Replacements, uh, he was actually just in. Excuse me. Uh, oh, that's right. I love that movie. Have you ever seen The Replacements? No. But then he also has Chef, The Jungle Book. Um, those are more recent, obviously. But... But so far, that that looks almost even, right? So let's do a yeah. re- real quick count. Let's call Swingers one of his, because I always count it as a Favreau. Yeah, he's uh, he's even the main So we'll character. call Swingers. I'd even call uh, Elf not bad. Elf was great. Yeah. I mean, it was, Who doesn't it was a Elf? nice comedy, so that's yeah. that's two in the good. Zethura, A Space Adventure, the Jumanji ripoff. Yeah. No. Uh, we'll count that as a bad. Uh, <laughs> I'll count the bad. Premise. Okay. Iron Man, solid. Iron Man 2, still solid. Cowboys and Aliens. Bad. Count that as bad. Chef, good. Jungle Book, great. So now we're at a 62 ratio of good to bad. Yeah. Right? So Three we can one, kind yeah. of vaguely say John Favreau, pretty, pretty, director. pretty good director. Yeah. Right? Now, now here's where the MCU really, really did it right. And this is what it seems like no other Cineverse seems to understand. And it's probably the same point I was trying to get at. Is they're, they're making bad movies with bad filmmakers. They're taking bad filmmakers who can't tell a good story or can't make a great film consistently, and they're putting them at the helms of these huge franchises. That's what everyone else is doing? Yeah. Okay. Um, and, or, like or kind of messing up entirely. And now here's, here's my second point. John but Fra- the MCU is actually doing the opposite of that. Yeah. John. I mean, the MCU, at least when it started, it took valuable directors and, and let them make a movie in their own field. Most importantly, John Favreau is a little bit of a stretch. John Favreau just kind of proved himself to be a good enough filmmaker to just handle Iron Man. He doesn't have a lot of stories like Iron Man in his repertoire, but he handles it. Uh, yeah. But then we move on to, to MCU's second movie, uh, which I don't think is great, um, but he made Hulk, The Incredible Hulk. right? And that's just kind of like a big action film. However, here's some of... Uh, that director was uh, Luis Letterrier. Leterrier? Leterrier. We'll go with Leterrier. Luis Leterrier. Um, and he made Now You See Me. Not great. And he directed The Incredible Hulk, which you just mentioned. Then he's also got Clash of the Titans, but that's a big stinker. <laughs> and The Transporter. Okay. Transporter's so just... not a big stinker. Now, it's a, not a great... It's it's not a great uh, a ratio, right? He's got some bad movies. He's got some stinkers. He's about a 50-50. Right. And this is a pretty bad film. They kind of screwed up. They kind of looked at like his filmography and was like, okay, you can handle doing an action film it's the hulk handle it and he doesn't do a very good job with it it was a bad movie and then I've we move on heard people like that movie yeah i mean it's fine it's not great it's like an it's like the best hulk movie we've ever had yeah but that's not saying a whole lot until thor 3 comes out until thor 3 comes out uh but then we have thor 1's director kenneth Branagh. oh great who has directed henry the fifth uh frankenstein marie shelley's um that was the uh, robert de niro one uh i'm the 1994 one yeah i, I believe so, so. Uh, then he also has uh movies like let's see a midwinter's tale hamlet oh he's very shakespearean yeah, he's, he's known he's known for adapting he did the cinderella um so yeah i mean like yeah. he it seems like he 
had a handle on the fantasy genre, like the fantasy, like historic genre. And that kind of mythical Shakespearean style, which was perfect for which Thor. Which is perfect for Thor. I mean, they, they got a stylized director to make a stylized movie. movie. Uh, then you have uh, Captain America 1, directed by Joe Johnston, director of The Rocketeer and October Sky, perfect. historical pictures. And they're like, oh, you're going to direct Captain America, a historical picture. And those other those movies were a little. Well, Captain America one's great. It's super camp, and but it oh, knows yeah. it from the beginning, oh, which yeah. makes it fun. Oh, absolutely! It's just a fun movie. And then I wouldn't. Say, I would say the Rocketeer is in that vein. Uh-huh. October Sky, not so much. Do, do you want to know what else this guy directed? Joe Johnson. What Jumanji? Well, there you go. It's a great film. Um, he also directed the Indiana Jones TV series. You're uh, telling me the MCU got the directors of Jumanji one and two? Well. <laughs> Yeah, more or less. Uh, there is a Jumanji 2 coming out, by the way. I know, and whoever's going to direct that is now going to direct an MCU movie. Yeah, and then he also directed Hidalgo, which is uh, a not movie. Not a bad movie? No, not at all. Uh, so, like like I said, stylized director, stylized film. You even look at stuff like James Gunn with Guardians of the Galaxy. Stylized movie, stylized director. It was the perfect person to make that movie. Yeah, because, I mean, it was fun. It was out there, and James Gunn is already used to working with all that. and like. Yeah, I mean, like it's James Gunn. Hand him sci-fi. He's going to do just fine with it. Yeah. Uh, then you have stuff like... Now, this is, this is for me, where it gets a little fun. Uh, you got, you got the, the Legendary Pictures Cineverse. Um, so, I know we didn't go over all. I would have to say, though, for Marvel... Oh, yeah. Russo, recently, we've been getting some real stinkers. Well, I think the, the Russo brothers, who directed uh, Civil War and Winter Soldier... And now doing the new mm-hmm. Avengers. The best directors they have. Oh, yeah. And, and again, handed guys who know what they're doing. Who like? Well, these guys were in TV and then made right. the jump over. But they're also proving right now that they can handle what they're doing. And they're where, fantastic Whereas what I'm saying with like the DCU is they've handed over the entire franchise to Zack Snyder, who we know draws numbers but doesn't put out good pictures. He, Zack Snyder doesn't draw numbers. The content he works with draws numbers. Right. I mean, like, yeah, you... You got Gerard Butler and you got 300 and then you got Watchmen. You know what Gerard I mean? Butler was no one until 300. Uh, well, no one in our market. I mean, he had been around for a bit. Like he had done the real rock and roll, I think, before that. And he starred in that. Yeah. But that's a very know. British movie. It's yeah. not a very American movie. Although one of my favorites. Um, Guy Pierce. Richie. Oh, Guy Ritchie. Guy Pierce. Close Why though. Say that? Uh, but now here's... Okay. God, I'm dumb. So now we got Gareth Edwards. And the legendary pictures, Cineverse. Now, Gareth Edwards directed uh, Godzilla, which is our launch film for this, right? And what got him that movie was a movie called Monsters. And Monsters, I think, is pretty solid. Yeah, I love that movie. It's a small, like... Yeah, it's a small indie thing. And, like, that's kind of what it seems like the the trend is being. Hey, you did a small indie thing. Now here's this great big picture. Yeah. He also directed Rogue One, which, as we know, is a big studio stinker. We know that the studio had a little too much of a hand on that and stuck it up. Yeah, with that one, I, see, that's the interesting thing about Rogue One. I'm in the camp that I liked Star Wars Episode Seven better, and I know literally mm-hmm. half the people I talk to about it are either with me or liked Rogue One better. Yeah, I mean... So it's a very mixed film. It is. Yeah, I mean, again, I think, and we haven't talked about this on the podcast yet, but Rogue One and Episode Seven are really going to be dictated. How good they are is really going to be dictated by how good Eight and Nine are. If eight and nine are stinkers, we're gonna look back at seven and Rogue One and be like, they were pretty bad. Eight's got Ryan Johnson directing, right? But it's got Disney helming. Yeah, because let's see, 
Yeah, take the guy who did Looper and put him in a Disney setting. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, right? Is like Disney doesn't seem to be letting everything's come out of Disney lately for big franchises. It's been a real stinker. That's what happens when you let studios. That's what happens when studios get their hands on everything. Yeah, it's a, it's and a too many bit, executives it's have. It's a notes. little too studio meddling, which is why you have stuff like all the Marvel Cineverse starting to tank, and then you have stuff like. Uh, you know, basically the Star Wars universe not launching yet, really. People seem to think that they're really hot movies right now, but like the, historically, they may not hold up. Like I don't think they're great movies. And what we're looking at is stuff like Disney just doesn't. Disney didn't learn any lessons from the MCU takeoff. John Favreau made that movie, John Favreau's way. Yeah, Iron Man was just a John Favreau film. It had Marvel touches into it, but it was a John Favreau film. Yeah, Thor was Kenneth Branagh film. a Kenneth Branagh film. James Gunn made a James Gunn film when he did Guardians. Joe Johnston made a Joe Johnston yeah, film. Yeah, they're letting them make their own films. And then John Favreau, a storied film director, not really super storied, but like a capable film director and capable actor and who's someone who's been around film for a long time, shows up and blended all those styles and made The Avengers. Joss Whedon. Excuse me, Joss Whedon. Oh, you're right. That's, that is a Joss Whedon film. Yeah. But Joss Whedon's had always done a great job of remixing. I mean, look at Cabin in the Woods. Oh, Cabin in the Woods is one of my favorite movies. And of Cabin all time. in the Woods just takes a ton of different horror elements and mixes it all together and made a really solid one film. Which is crazy because it was him and Drew Goddard. They pretty much 50 50 that movie. Drew Goddard actually did most of the directing on it. Joss Whedon like produced and like 50 50 wrote it. Right. So so Joss Whedon like has a handed like or is capable of making a solid yeah. film. And Drew Goddard, just for the record, uh-huh. is the guy who's been show running uh, Daredevil. Okay. And that's had its up and downs, but for the most part, people seem to think up. Uh, I'm yeah. not a huge fan, but it seems to, to critically do pretty well. The Punisher stuff is fantastic. Right. Now, MCU early seems like they let filmmakers make films. Late, Disney's been like, no, especially when you have stuff like uh, the Edgar Wright kind of. I'm Team Edgar Wright on this. Yeah, I'm super Team Edgar Wright. My my biggest gripe with Ant Man is there are moments where you're like, oh, that's an Edgar Wright moment. That's an Edgar Wright writing style. Yeah, this is an Edgar Wright scene. And then the rest of the movie is like feels like Marvel blanket Avengers. Joss oh, totally blending. Totally. I will say to uh, what's the guy who took it over? Uh, Edgar Wright's follow up. Yeah, I have no idea. I can't remember. I his don't name. care. He actually came up with the idea for Michael Pena's character to like over explain things and like Yeah, but that's a very Edgar Wright feeling. Yeah, thing. but I mean, give him credit that he actually tried to blend into the script what was Sure. There. Right, but they still accidentally didn't make a movie. They yeah. made, they made a pile of shit. Um I thought it was I mean, it was fine, but I didn't walk out of it going, I want to watch that again. Yeah, I mean, it's, I didn't even like I didn't even go see it and until Ant-Man's it, one of my favorite characters. Like I love the like the later runs of ant-man in in the marvel comic books uh, i think they're fantastic and i love the mcu like i'm a huge marvel fanboy but not a good film um then we move on let's move on really quickly to the legendary pictures because legendary pictures has so the two movies so far uh godzilla directed by monsters director gareth edwards right but i feel like probably way too much like too many producers like fingers in the pie because that movie came out as a jumbled mess Whereas Monsters felt pretty decent, like felt like it was a one-man lead, Godzilla doesn't feel that way. Godzilla feels like it's tearing in a lot of different directions. Like, Brian Cranston being shoved into the beginning seemed really forced and, like, didn't really add anything to the story. Our entire character's arc is kind of, like, like 
pushed aside by Godzilla and the monster. Like those are two big elements in that film. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's really is a main character. Yeah, it's like it's really loose. That that film has like a number of issues. And spoilers, once Brian Cranston dies, you just don't give. Yeah, you I don't mean, care at all. I never about cared about the any hero. other characters in that movie. I cared about Godzilla, and I cared about uh, what's his face. Um, let them fight. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I cared about him, but loosely. I mean, not a great film. Kong Skull Island follows into kind of the same bag. It's 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 a bad film where you don't really care a lot of about a lot of people except now here's, except for john c Riley. here's something that i think is really funny and billy do you know who directed kong skull island i'm trying to remember uh i'm going to try and pronounce this correctly john voight roberts okay it might be john vote roberts it's v-o-g-t it sounds like hyphen. it does sound like voight uh can you can you name a movie he directed nope okay i'm gonna run over some of his tv stuff because his tv stuff is hilarious uh, Twit, Robert Buscemi, Live at the Subterranean was actually a documentary he did. Uh, then he did Memories, or excuse me, Memoirs of a Man Child, TV series, Book Club, TV series, Mint in a Box, video short, Successful Alcoholics, a short, Single Dads, TV series, Mashup, TV movie, Funnier Dies Presents. Okay, that was, that was a, a TV series. That was a thing of a bunch of shorts. Death Valley, TV series, Life, at, Life After 25, If Born Before 1984, short, Mashup. The Kings of Summer was his first film that he directed. Kings of Summer was great. Kings of Summer is a great young person movie. Yeah, that's like that's honestly like the best John Hughesy movie we've gotten in a long time. Yeah, and look, I'm a big fan of of movies about self discovery in youth and things like maturity in youth. Uh, also, Nick Offerman was in that, and I love Nick Offerman. Uh, so anyone not aware of Kings of Summer, mm-hmm. it's a, it was a small independent film that was that was critically acclaimed. It's about three boys um, kind of running away for a summer and building a fort, building their own like small log cabin in the middle of the woods outside their town. Right. And living there, tired of, you know, dealing with their parents in everyday life. And, and it's a totally solid film. It reminds yeah, me of things like in. Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, it's not as Wes Anderson-y no, as Moonrise Kingdom. But I totally yeah, see that. But it's in that same vein. Um, a story, and then he immediately did uh, the TV special documentary Nick Offerman, American Ham. Okay. Uh, then he did You Are the Worst, another TV series. Then cocked a TV movie, and then suddenly he got King Kong, Skull Island. <laughs> so, so it seems like he's got a lot of comedy and a lot of like television history. Which makes and a lot like, of sense now. And then he got his one baby project, which seems to have been Kings of Summer. And then he worked with Nick Offerman again, doing comedy special. And then for some reason. <laughs> For some fucking reason, Legendary Pictures was like, hey, you know that guy who did Kings of Summer? Yeah. Wouldn't he be perfect for a King Kong movie? Well, maybe it was Universal. Maybe. Because maybe Universal picked up Kings of Summer for a small distribution. Well, let's see. Let's then, see who picked you know, up signed Kings him of to Summer. A contract. What I will give Legendary for, Legendary tends to let directors do what they want. Right. Legendary's works with Guillermo del Toro all the time, who gets to do what he wants. Oh, yeah. Um, Guillermo del Toro deserves it at this point. All three of the last Dark Knight trilogy. You know, the Batman trilogy with right. Christopher Nolan, that was all legendary supported. And that's totally great. Um, you know, they they let... Legendary does let directors do what they want. I think it's the studio that always helps them distribute that gets their hands in it. Uh, yeah, you mean... Um, like Warner, who they were working with for a right. while, and then Universal now. Well, hold on. I can't find on IMDb who produced or released 
Whatever. Um, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I guess it just super doesn't matter. You have to edit some of this out on Belgium. Like oh, a, I know. Like a storm. It's fine. I'm so sorry. I hate you. So so here's here's point number one. <laughs> long, long built towards point number one. As usual. Yeah. The MCU seems to have picked up directors that they knew could make good movies and let them make their own good movie. All these new Cineverses seems to like not have figured out that lesson. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. seems like it's time and time again we're seeing... I mean, even in the new MCU, we're not picking up directors and letting them do the movies that they want to do. No, they have to do a Marvel movie. And the Marvel formula has become so diluted... And it's not Marvel anymore. Yeah, it all just feels like Avengers 1, Joss Whedon. Which is not a style that works super well for a standalone movie. No. When you have, like, Ant-Man that needs to have his own movie. Or... Yeah, they all feel the same. Yeah. They all feel the same now. And I'm sorry, Kevin Feige, but you just coming out and been like, oh, it's the great thing. We're talking about this and pulling this from the comics. It's like, well, yeah. you can pull it all you want. But if, if it feels like everything else you've put out... I just don't... I can't care. Yeah, like, I have not seen Doctor Strange yet. It's not good. It's basically Iron Man, except with the Avengers tag written on it. See, and those first four films, they didn't feel the same. They were all very unique, stylized films that all seemed to work in the Avengers. That doesn't seem to be happening anymore. Like It just seems like they got dropped after the Disney buyout. Yeah, And it seems like no one learned that lesson from the MCU, is like, let directors make their movies. Grab people who are good... It's like now all of a sudden, it's like that's the Patriots, right? That's the Patriots of filmmaking. You just grab good people who are good at doing their job and you ask them to do their job, yeah. right? And it seems like every other Cineverse is like the Browns, where it's just like, uh, this guy did one good thing in college. We're just going to pick him up and throw him into the driver's seat. In our first round. Yeah, in our first round draft pick. We're just going to pick Johnny Manziel. Why not? You know, he, he directed Kings of Summer. We'll just like let him take King Kong now. But what I'm getting at is like the skill sets that these directors are showing they have do not translate well to helming these big films with huge budgets that are supposed to set up these huge universes. Like yeah. it just it doesn't seem to be to me making very much sense. And yet it it now is the formula. If you're a big studio, you have to have a big cineverse. Well, yeah, because it's making money. Look how much money Marvel Studios makes. Oh, well, Disney. But before that. Right. Before that, absolutely. I mean, that's why it was like, how many billions of dollars did Disney have to spend to, to buy them out? A couple. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it was huge. Two, three billion. Like, it was I mean, the, they spent four billion just to buy Lucas. Yeah, I mean, it was huge. Like, Disney spent, you know, basically sold the farm to buy Marvel and Lucas and all these different projects and pictures. Which is paying off. They've already made it back. Yeah, look, they've made all this money off of these films, sure. But like, are they good films? Are they things we're going to sit back and, and think about 20 years from now? And here's the problem, right? Is you have guys like Kevin Smith. And Kevin Smith has taught us a very valuable lesson about filmmaking. Is that box office is not as important as we think it is. No. It, it is for, for like sexy sells. To like sell people on like my next project, I have to have a good box sell. Right? But then you have stuff like uh, the Weinstein Brothers is uh, Kevin Smith, right? Yeah. Okay. Weinstein Company doesn't make money in box office with Kevin Smith films. They well, know no, the Kevin Smith recently has been a uh, 24. Did he switch over with uh yeah, I guess he had to. He's been like working with a 24 for, I think Weinstein company was red state was the last one. Okay. Well, either, either way. So we have a lot of Weinstein company, Kevin Smith films that never made it in box office. They were all in the red and they were huge successes once they came to DVD and right. Release. But they had a cult following because they were good movies 
written by a capable director, starred by capable people, and like they're passion projects, and that resonates with people, and so they did really well after. And so Weinstein Company always made more money on those products in the long run. Which they would, you know, smaller companies can take that risk. And because well, Weinstein, I don't think the Weinstein Company is a smaller company. It, I mean, yeah, it's but it universal. specializes on the indie film. It oh. is the biggest indie filmmaker out there. Yeah, I mean, definitely they have something going for them. They have like a niche market carved out. And half the time, what they do is they come in and buy films once they're made. Right, but they also, but again, we're, what we see from them is there's this lesson, right? That box office is not the most important thing. And so, yes, right now it seems like making a billion dollars in you know, three months by making this huge production over the course of two years and then just letting it loose for, you know, yeah, like making the new Avengers movie. Yeah, it seems to be profitable short term and incredibly profitable, right? I'm not saying Kevin Smith is going to rake in a billion dollars over the lifetime of Clerks. No, never. Right? But what I'm getting at is, is Clerks is always going to be in our mind, right? Clerks yeah. is a piece of art. Yeah. Not a great piece of art. I think Clerks 1 is not as good as Clerks 2, and I don't think Clerks 2 is great. I think Dogma might be one of his better films. I think Red State's probably his best film. Uh, Red ever. State's probably one of his best films, absolutely. But like, we're never going to sit back and look at those movies and be like, yeah, wow, those are so financially successful, but we're always going to look back at them and be like, that's part of history now. That is yeah. artistic as fuck. It's beautiful. Oh, Red State, I remember now. He just did it on his own. No backers. Yeah, he did the whole thing. The whole thing. He had like financial support, but no studios. And it's great. Yeah. And then you have stuff like, uh, you know, the original Star Wars, the original trilogy. That's going to go down in history for hundreds of years. Yeah. I you mean, it's mean? literally spawned everything. That and Star Trek have spawned pretty much every sci-fi that we know. Yeah. I mean, like it defined generations. And now they're just like, well, for a couple months, they're going to be the hottest thing on the, on the market. And that's kind of money. A hundred years from now, are we going to remember the prequel trilogy? No. Do you think we'll remember Rogue One? Maybe. I don't think so. I don't think it's good enough. But we will remember stuff like Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. We will remember stuff. Maybe we'll remember stuff like Monsters. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't think it's great enough. No, Monsters will will not. Most people don't even know it now. You know what we are going to remember, though? We're going to remember stuff like Get Out. Yeah, Get Out's huge. We're going to remember stuff like Moonlight. We're going to remember stuff like La La Land, unfortunately. But we're going to (laughs) remember like these artistic, beautiful pieces that like garnered a lot of critical response. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I get it. And I mean, anything critical success usually is remembered for at least a little bit. And I mean, some do surpass time. You mm-hmm. know, they, they, they are there. I think, I mean, I kind of just thought about this right now, and it makes a lot of sense. The way Star Wars and everything, the reason it does have such a lasting effect is because people are still basing their own films off of it. And I oh, think yeah. that's what the Marvel formula has become. Yeah, two people are basing their films off of that original Marvel run. No, off the original Star Wars run. Oh, uh, okay. Like, think about most Marvel films now. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, the unlikely hero gets their power and is now set up to a task they have to face. I and mean, it yes, turns the out hero has someone, a thousand faces. Yeah, and but that's the thing. It, it almost you can almost probably do not beat by beat, but a breakdown of a story. Not even to like its most bare form because oh, that's vague uh, enough to make every single Marvel yeah. film fit into it. Yeah, at least in the recent past. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mar- the Marvel Cineverse has not really been pushing boundaries lately. They're pretty staying close to the hero's journey. Maybe a bad thing, maybe not. Who really knows if that's what's taking away from them? Which I honestly think everyone sees saw Star Wars were like, which was the first movie to really be like, oh, let's just do the true hero's journey. And people hadn't really seen that before. Yeah, like a strong T. Yeah, and they're like, okay, and then now everyone's been trying to copy that ever since, and it's never worked, in my opinion. 
You have to find your own formula on it. Yeah, I mean, like the uh, yeah, the hero has a thousand faces, but it has to have a different face. You can't just keep making Luke Skywalker the hero of every movie. And I think the reason Star Wars did so well is because um, the guy who actually wrote the Hero's Journey book broke it all down. Jason Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell. Uh, Joseph Campbell. Yeah, I don't know. Why I said Jason. I have that book sitting on my my. Yeah, it's a great book. Coffee table. Yeah. Yeah, I took a whole class on it. It's actually really good. Yeah, solid. I think because Lucas worked so closely with him, like he got taught from him Mm -hmm. and like he knew, he knew Campbell personally. Right. And so I think that helped influence the way star Wars was shaped. People don't have that influence. They just have a film and they can look at a script and some interviews. That's all they have. They don't have someone to actually help them like that. And so everyone trying to recreate that magic, Mm -hmm. it's never going to happen. Well, yeah. And then you guys have like, I mean, Episode four is kind of an anomaly, right? Or the Star Wars is kind of an, an anomaly. Like it worked, it it was a really good film, and like for some reason it's lasted almost a lifetime. And now we have this whole Cineverse, video game verse, book universe, extended universe craziness. We're gonna have a theme park pretty soon. All because of this one little anomaly of a good movie. I mean like Kevin Smith is based on his entire career off of the success of Clerks. Yeah, and he, I mean, but that's the thing. He didn't. He goes back to that well, but he just goes, "Hey, you trusted me in this well. Come with me down this other one. If you Absolutely. like this, then I'll." He, and now, he wants to keep exploring. He doesn't keep going back to the same well, right? And now he does things like he just travels the country, like does podcasts and like talks to people, and like yeah. people just really ins- resonate with him. Just he's an inspiring guy. But, like he's built a career off of one good film, just like George Lucas built an empire off of one good film. But an accident, but if more good films didn't come out after that, he would have been a flash in the pan. Oh, absolutely. That's the thing. He had to keep making movies and whether but you George agree, Lucas whether they really keep making great movies after that, George Lucas hasn't released one good movie since that. Yeah, that's true. But George, luckily George Lucas did have before, before star Wars had American graffiti. That's how he got to star. Wars. Yeah. That's how he got to star Wars. And then star Wars kind of got away from him. And then he tried to make, he just Prequel had a trilogy. He was just very smart when it came to business. Yeah. And look, look, somehow that captured people and it really took off. And the Star Wars universe is going to be something we remember 100 years from now. Yep. But what I'm getting at is this is like, v- that was very long term oriented, right? Of like, let's create something that's going to work. And so they made those first three movies and they lasted. Just like Indiana Jones. Spielberg kept going back and like, we're going to make a mov- really good movie right now that's going to do well right now, but it's going to last a long time because it's going to be a good film that's because spielberg doesn't and what a lot of movies will try to do is they'll try to make it relevant to the time and just a specific thing that's going on at the time instead of a a general theme that plays itself out repeatedly throughout civilization that's just going to be remembered that's just going to go back and it's going to be called upon again like it's just going to be a good film because indiana jones themes that can be relied upon for ages you know yeah i mean it's just like a pretty blanketed adventure story with fun action and a cool hero yeah and yeah obviously they're like time specific but they're vaguely you know they're vague enough in their time where they're like they're pickupable you know it's like there's one where they're dealing with the nazis and it's like okay yeah great and then there's one where they're dealing with like an ancient temple and like yeah okay great and then another one with the crusaders it's like yeah okay like we all understand those three concepts it doesn't have to be relevant to our immediate life we understand nazis uh crazy temple shit and then the Templars. Like, we understand those concepts and they work. And they're like, timeless. They're timeless. And Indiana Jones movies are something that's going to be around and in our mind 
forever. I mean, like for hundreds of years. Like this is just great cinema. And the same way that like I just watched 1933 King Kong, still works. Still a fine movie. And that was almost 100 years ago. That's because it wasn't trying to capture something that was going on. Like, it had elements of what was going on in 1933, but it didn't have themes only specific to 1933. Right, but more importantly, it just seems like they made a solid film, and it paid out where, like, a 100 years later, people are still watching it. You can still buy it on Amazon. You can still go see it. Yeah. Like, it's still sellable. It's still, there's a market for it. Yeah. Like, where is the market for Ant-Man? Is there a market for Ant-Man, the movie, anymore? No. Like, that was so fast. And, like, 10 years from now, that box office is going to be crushed by whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, it it's didn't just, even break any box office. Yeah. It just it, did fine. I mean, like, even, like, the movies that are breaking box office and, like, doing great box office, like, uh, didn't BBS do really well box office? Uh, it did decent. Yeah, it did well. Like, didn't BBS, that, It made its money. BBS is going to get blown out in the next five years by something. Uh, Avengers is like the top grossing box office one. The first Avengers? Yeah. Yeah, and, and look, in like 15 years at our next big, you know, Cineverse... Just wait till Avatar 2 comes out. Yeah, Avatar 2 is going to crush it. Like, and why? They're not a good film. No. But it's just going to crush it, and then it's going to be gone again. And yeah. we're never going to think of it. But you know what we still think about? Titanic. Yeah. We still think about Titanic as a good film. When was the last time you thought of Avatar outside of making fun of it? Uh, anytime it's brought up. Like, I don't go out of my way to actively think about it. Yeah, exactly. But, like, how often do you think of Titanic? Probably not a lot. No. But, I mean, occasionally when it comes up in conversation of, like, well, I guess the same exact argument about how often does Avatar get brought up. All I'm saying is, like, when Avatar comes up, we make fun of it. When Titanic comes up, we thought, wow, that was a really good movie. Look at the careers it's launched. Look what it's done. Think everyone will always have fond memories of it. Yeah, exactly. And Titanic it's, crushed a box office, and then it yeah. had a second release in box office. Which crushed it again. Yeah, which crushed again. Like, And that's just a good film. I yeah. mean, yeah, it was an expensive film to make, but it was just a solid film. Avatar yeah. did the same thing. Avatar released, and then had a re-release, and the re-release tanked. Yeah. I mean, yeah, overall, it made a fuck ton of money. Yeah. But it was never good. And, like, how long is it taking for Avatar 2 to come out? Like, long enough for people to forget that Avatar was really bad. <laughs> Well, also, what he did, he has written the scripts for Avatar 2 through 5, and now he's going to start shooting them. Yeah, and... Yep, yep, that's that's happening, everyone. And, <laughs> and how do you think... Do you think we're going to get a Fast and the Furious effect where each subsequent film makes more money than the previous? Or do you think we're going to uh, get, like, for, a like, Marvel Cineverse effect where everything after Avengers just doesn't... I think we're going to have a Marvel Cineverse effect because Fast and the Furious, the films actually got better. Yeah, because they understood what they were making after a while, and they just kept going. They exactly. They just kept leading into the crazy. Exactly. And they're like, this is going to be fun, and especially with Paul Walker's death. I mean, that drove a lot of people there, Yeah, which is very unfortunate. Gave a lot of respect to him, though. Yeah, but I mean, Fast and Furious 7 still would have made probably more money than 6, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, they keep going back to the same well, but they understand the well they're going back to, yeah. and they're making it better. They're, they're, they're refining they, the bucket that they're drawing from the they're, well. They're painting it different colors. Yeah, exactly. And it's somehow people just eat it up. And let, I, hey, I fucking love it. I'm going to yeah. go watch seven. I'm going to go watch eight, nine, ten, fourteen, oh, yeah. we're gonna watch all of 43. Like, I'm going to watch every single fucking Fast and Furious movie they release because I love those dumb movies. Yeah. But then, like, am I going to watch Avatar 3? No. Is anyone going to watch Avatar 3? I don't even want to see Avatar 2. I don't think Avatar 3 is going to come out. I think it's going to be like... No, he's shooting them all at the same time like they did with uh, Matrix. That's a bad idea. Because there's no way two, three, four, and five make as much money as one or as the previous one. 
Three won't make as much money as two. Dude, Cameron's doing it. This is his dream to make Fern Gully and Pocahontas over and over again. Fern Gully is sincerely overlooked as a great film. <laughs> Fern Gully is funky but fun. Uh, Robin Williams plays a crazy bat. I know. People always forget that. Why do you forget that, audience members? Go watch Fern Gully. Stop listening to this podcast right now and watch <laughs> Go Fern watch Gully. Fern Gully and be, man, Avatar was such a good movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so was Pocahontas and Dancing with Wolves. And um, every movie about someone coming in and taking over territory. Ah, white guilt movies. Yay. Thanks, tall white man, for making <laughs> white guilt movies. Um, where, where, where's my next point? Virtue signaling to all of us. Yeah. All, all I'm getting at is, is we're, not, we're not learning from our fucking mistakes. Yeah, no, and Marvel didn't have any mistakes at first. No, and it's a mistake to not understand that. Yeah, and they are making mistakes now, but they don't care because they're making money. And that's yeah, the, I think making, that's the problem. But they're, but they're flashing the pan money. Yeah, like, look, yeah. you're making a billion dollars off this movie. And I think my biggest problem... But your them, organization costs a lot of money to run. Yeah, you're I get it. sinking hundreds of millions of dollars in the movie, and eventually those I wells are going to run dry. Eventually you're going to sink $400 million into a movie that's not going to gross that. And that's going to happen two or three times in a row. And the Marvel Universe is going to be gone. Which, honestly, I think we need. Oh, absolutely. Like, I don't think James Cameron will make movies after Avatar. No. Like, after the Avatar movies come out, like, how much money is being sunk into Avatar? A lot. I mean, probably tons. But that guy also has probably all the money to make it himself. Oh, absolutely. But do you think of... If, okay, look. Here's the thing. If, if two comes out and it makes a little bit of, in the black, if it, like, does okay in the black... But every movie after that goes worse and worse into the black. And if we have even one movie in the red, people aren't going to you know, show up to his door and offer him new projects. They're going to be like, no. James Cameron, you fucked up. Well, Look how much getting, money you he's lost. He's getting Avatar World now at Disneyland in uh, Animal Kingdom. Wait, in Disneyland? Which Disney, Disney World. World. Oh, Disney, Disney World, World doing the Avatar Animal, Land? Yeah, part of the Animal Kingdom is becoming uh, Pandora. Yeah, let's see how long that lasts. Oh, I mean, it's going to be a long time because they have to rebuild an entire section of the park. Right. Is there still hype for Avatar like that? I guess so. I, I don't know. I think in 20 years from now, we're going to be looking back on the Avatar like history and just laughing at it. I mean, like, wow, remember how bad of an idea that was? Yeah. Honestly, I hated the fact that Disney transferred Pirates of the Caribbean to update with Johnny Depp. I'm yeah. not like I don't like it. I want it to just stay. I think the you're in the minority ride. in that for sure, because I think that a lot of people recognize Johnny Depp and the work that that Jerry Bruckheimer did with that film series, and like made a, a cineverse. Well, not a cineverse, made a good series. I think it's overrated. Yeah, and and that's fine. I think again, I think you're in the minority in that one. I Probably, think it's, it's it's pretty well loved. Yeah, um, the Pirates films, like it's some childhoods are based around those movies. Yeah, I get it. My childhood is partially based around that movie. Like, I'd seen the movie a hundred times. Well, it's because all you want to do is be a pirate. I want to be a pirate. That's all <laughs> I want to be. <laughs> I wasn't going there. I, that's I was where thinking you it, but I, wasn't yeah, th- see, I was thinking see, it, but I didn't I'm go there. there. I'm in your head already. Yeah, you are. And never mind. <laughs> you know um, where that joke is going. I, I do. So, so, yeah, I think, I think the problem with doing Cineverse is really just kind of wrap this up mm-hmm. they start off great and they always end bad i, I don't think they all start off great uh, i guess not yeah that's true that's very true some of I them think, like dracula and yeah. told is supposed to kick off a new universal monster verse i that's think launching a cineverse gets a lot of hype people want to be part of another marvel cineverse they people are aching for a good cineverse there was 
the biggest problem with Hollywood and what's going on. Someone captures lightning in a bottle. Oh yeah, and now everyone else is it. trying to figure out how to do it, and that studio itself is trying to figure out how to recapture it. Everyone's got it. That's the great thing mm-hmm. about the Weinstein Company and these small film and these smaller companies. A twenty four. A twenty four. They're like, we got lightning in a bottle. We're just going to set it on a shelf. We're going to use it the way we need to use it. We're going to do everything with this lightning, mm-hmm. but we're not going to expect to recapture it. Oh yeah. I mean, A twenty four nailed it somehow. A twenty four has like whoever is like running that place, like the creative team at A twenty four has an eye yeah because they're just like grabbing the good the films. best indie films out there right now I mean, like they it, are rivaling weinstein yeah so i don't think hard. i've seen every uh, like i've said this previously on this, this podcast if i see a trailer come up and a24 is on that trailer you're gonna I, go see it. i turn off the trailer because it doesn't matter what they're about to show me i'm gonna love that movie so i just go and watch it yeah that happened with um uh my favorite movie of last year whose name i completely forget swiss army man no swiss oh, army man. man swiss army man is my favorite movie of last year and I have it on Blu-ray, and I've probably watched it three times. Even since more than Green Room? Green Room is great. Green Room I is probably fucking, my favorite movie. Like, something about Spasar, man, that movie just understands me. Like, that movie <laughs> just understands my comedy and my humor and my love of film, and it put it into a bottle and, like, handed it to me. Green Room, A24. Yeah, I mean, these guys are just putting out good fucking films and they yeah. just won't stop putting out good films because they well that's in the, most of them uh they aren't even they aren't even like making from scratch they're letting people make them and they're coming in they're like all right we're just gonna buy this the way it is yeah i mean like if if i were in a24 <coughs> if i were in a24 right now i'd be looking at this trend of cineverses tanking and i'd pull together like five or six of my most storied directors at a24 so people have made two films. <laughs> <laughs> two really good indie films. And then Kevin Smith. <laughs> and I'd hand them millions of dollars, hundreds of million dollars. And I'd be like, okay, take this huge budget. I want you to make five movies that are somehow connected. Make a Cineverse. I don't care what it's about. Like how M. Night Shyamalan did. With his, kind with, of. With the last one, how they're semi-connected. Yeah, how now there's an M. Night Shyamalan-verse that's going to be happening. Because it's going to be a three-movie Cineverse. It's small, but it's technically a Cineverse. It's technically, not, it's not even a Cineverse. It's just sequels. Well, no. Split really isn't a sequel. Split is a tie-in. I guess that's true. Yeah, this is sort of a Cineverse. This is a very localized and small Cineverse, but I think it still counts as a Cineverse. It's not a yeah. sequel. Um, it's a Cineverse in the same sense that like... Uh, Which I'm very excited for. Yeah. But anyway, so... Not Ghost in the take Closet. Take like five directors out of A24... Hand them a, a few hundred million dollars. Tell them to make a loose Cineverse and have fun with it. I would bet money. I'd bet all those hundreds of million dollars that those movies come back and do really fucking well and people herald them as being like, oh, they understood how to do this. And, oh, it's, not, totally. and it's not because of that they'll understand the Cineverse formula or they'll understand how to like manipulate audiences. I think they'll make five movies that are connected that would all be individually good movies. Yeah, and that's the problem. Most of these Marvel movies and most of this, any form of Cineverse movie... Yeah, you're only seeing it because it ties in. Yeah. I don't want to see Doctor Strange. I no, hate I, Doctor Strange. I don't even like the comics. I just don't care. But I have to see it. Because, I don't. Well, I I'm a Marvel fucking band geek. I have to go see it. I'll see it. Honestly, is it out on DVD already? Probably. I'll just find it online, and I'll watch it when I'm bored. When I have some time one day. Yeah, and it's not going to be a fun experience. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't like it. I hated it. But I had to go see it because I want to go see the next big Marvel movie, and I'm going to see the next because I'm going to go see Thanos. And I'm going to go see you know all yeah, these Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Like it just tickles on. 
my my comic book nerd. No, I get it. I totally get it. Like I can't wait for Marvels of the um, Marvels Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. I have only watched that might be one trailer. I have not watched every new trailer that comes out. I avoid it like the plague. Yeah, because Disney doesn't want to do a trailer anymore. Yeah, and I don't want to ruin. I don't want it ruin like the new yeah. Spider Man trailer that came out. I haven't watched it. Uh, I caught glimpses of it. I, I I've heard it gives away the whole film. film. Yeah, I mean, I, I fuck it. I'm not. I don't care. Yeah, I'm gonna go see it. I'm gonna, it's Homecoming. It's Spider Man. It's a finally. It's a Spider Man movie, movie starring a kid about a kid story that doesn't yeah. have an origin story in it. Yeah, he's just Spider Man, and that, I think that's also a big problem about these universes. Everything has to be yeah. an origin story because it's like no, just just start it in the middle of somewhere. Hey, and they did that with Suicide Squad, but then they tried to make it an origin story as well. It was like a Harley Quinn movie with the Suicide Squad plot happening in the background. Hmm. I mean, that's a bad movie. Well, they're making a Harley Quinn standalone. Uh, is it called Suicide Squad Part Two? No, it's just Harley Quinn. Oh, well, they already did a Harley Quinn standalone. <laughs> it was Suicide Squad Part One. Well, now they're getting rid of the Suicide Squad and just doing Harley Quinn. Yeah, which they should have already fucking done. They should have. <laughs> and that's another thing, right? Is like these universes aren't starting small. Iron Man was a self-contained film. Yeah. Thor was a self-contained film. I think that's the thing. If you want Cineverses, I think that's the main takeaway. If you want a Cineverse, make it a standalone film. Everyone's getting too bad. It's getting bad when all these things have to start getting connected. Yeah, and it's like, don't start off with nine characters that yeah. build into this huge... Start like Ant-Man having to... Start an, small. In Ant-Man where he had to go to... Yeah. Why did he have to go to Avengers? Yeah. Why did he have to do that? Why did he have to have the Avengers sequence where he fights Falcon? To tie into the end of... Uh, Captain America: Civil War, where Bucky's hand is stuck in the thing, and or no, at the end of uh, Winter Soldier, where Bucky's hand's stuck in the thing, and so that way he can show up in Civil War. And it's like, exactly, there's too many moving parts. Make a good movie. Yeah, Suicide Squad had to set up like six characters. Just like why? Yeah, just make a good movie. It's like you jump straight to the Avengers film, and we don't care about any. Like, what the fuck does Croc do in that whole goddamn movie? (laughs) I don't know. I haven't seen it. Oh, really? Really? Oh my god! It's it's um it's big blue beam in the sky, and they have to stop the thing from destroying the world. It's so that, Independence Day. Yeah, it's it's Independence Day. It's uh, every single X Men movie from the last five years that yeah. isn't Logan. It's every single it's it's Avengers two. Wait, no, it's also Avengers one. <laughs> um, it's it's the big giant laser beam into the sky yeah, plot. I get it. I get it. Which is also Transformers. Like, yeah. it's every fucking goddamn exactly. Cineverse movie. There's nothing original anymore. And that's what these people don't understand. They're like, oh, this worked before. Let's do it again. Laser no, beam audience, in the sky. The world is being destroyed. Again. Pe- audiences get tired of it. Yeah. We're tired of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, now it's we just call it the big blue beam. Like, I don't even remember what characters are driving the big blue beam. Big blue beam in the sky in these movies. Except for Ultron and, I guess, uh, the witch chick from Suicide Squad. But it's like... Oh, um, every goddamn Enchantress. movie. Enchantress. Every goddamn movie. Big blue beam in the sky. Yeah. And Superman did it. Are they just trying to make Skyline again? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's happening anymore. That's, just, that's a deep reference for anyone who gets it. <laughs> it's just all, all we can see is that Iron Man was a good movie and it started something magical that ended so quickly. And uh, studios ruined it because yeah. they kept trying to recapture that lightning in a bottle. Like I think, I think we need to go back to basics. I think film finds as, new lightning as a genre needs to go back to the A twenty four route. And honestly, A twenty four can just keep doing what they're doing because we'll see them and people will see it. And they're going to be great, and they're going to be critical, and they're going to be Swiss Army Man twenty years from now will show up on Comedy Central, and and people will, will lose love their fucking it. mind. Yeah, when that movie people will exists. love it, and like it will still sell. Green Room is honestly. 
at first no one knew about it. The moment it was released, everyone I oh, knew yeah. knew it about it. So quick, so it follows. It follows. Blew oh, up so quick. so good. And like those movies are going to be remembered for that 15, started. Years. Uh, that was a Weinstein. Yeah, that was that started off in a limited release. All of mm-hmm. a sudden, people were demanding know, it. Yeah, every everyone heard about it, and it was literally getting demanded across the country mm-hmm. that Weinstein's went. All right, we're doing a full theatrical release. It yeah. ended up in like a few thousand theaters, and I saw it in Bakersfield. Yeah, I mean. Like Bakersfield, <laughs> it's, it's going to be like the you know fifteen twenty years from now, the movie we think of as being one of the great horror movies of this era. Yeah, and it's like it was this small film that this director really wanted to make, that this team came together and worked hard on and put together a good product. Captured lightning in a bottle. Captured lightning in a fucking bottle. It just and you know what? Where are those guys now? Like where where are the it follows team. Working on it follows too, probably. Yeah, maybe. And if they are, fuck them. But I would really hope that they're like working on their next big passion project. Yeah. Because they're probably going to knock that out of the water. And as long as they keep making the movies that they want to be making, we're going to keep making great movies. And yeah, they may not make a billion dollar movie next year. But they're going to have a storied career that we look back at and be like, wow, Edgar Wright. Yeah, Edgar Wright has a lot of great films. Mm-hmm. Wow, Guy Ritchie has like nine great low budget films. Yeah. Like... Yeah, I know. Just, let, we, just make the good movies. Make the good movies. Good directors, go make your good movies. Sell you, it you to A24. Yeah, sell it to A24. We're going to go watch it, and we're going to remember you for 20, 30 years. Yeah. All right. I think that's a good place to wrap up. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thanks for listening. By this shit. I know. I know you do. That's why I'm here to calm you down. Thank you. It's okay. Everything's going to be okay. Uh, dear listener, this was a topic chosen by me. If you want to see a, cho- a topic chosen by you, comment subscribe like us on facebook follow us on twitter at btjmo pod and tweet us yeah tweet Tweet us your next episode idea yeah do you want to hear matt talk about uh you know the pros and cons of pro wrestling as i already have yeah (laughs) multiple times do you do you want to hear me ramble on about star wars and why star wars episode 7 is bad i'm sure you don't but if you do if you want to hear something or you want yeah. to get into a Twitter fight with David. Or you want to get into a Twitter fight with David. Just Follow tweet him at, us. at David J. Navarro. Dave J. Navarro. Dave J. Navarro, sorry. Everyone calls me Dave now, so I'm going by yeah. Dave again. I don't use my personal Twitter account, so it's pointless. Yep. Um, so follow the pod at BTJMOPod on mm-hmm. Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash BTJMOPod. But that's just my opinion, pod at gmail.com. If you want to email us, we'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, yeah, what's the song of this week, David? Uh, the song of this week is Pretty Pimpin' by Kurt Vile. Pretty pimpin'. Pretty pimpin'. I'm pretty pimpin' out here with the ladies. This is how the song starts, yeah. Matt Matt sings that part. I've literally never heard this song, and I just got it 100% correct. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's exactly... It's actually your voice, too. It's something that you released last year through A24's (laughs) music division. Uh, Pretty pimpin'. I have have a pseudonym. Kurt Vile. I'm going on tour this fall. Uh, look for his tickets at uh, mattlandtripiskurtfile.com. <laughs> the secret has been blown. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you guys have a great weekend. We'll see you guys next week. And remember, you can agree or disagree with us, but that's just our opinion. Man. That's just me, then I proceeded to brush some stranger's teeth, but they were my teeth, and I was weightless, just quivering like some leaf coming in the window of a restroom, I couldn't
Who's a Monday? No Tuesday, no Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Then Saturday came around and I said, Who's this stupid clown blocking the bathroom sink? Just like all I want is to just have fun Live my life like the son of a gun I could be one thousand miles away But still me, what I say Then I woke up one morning Didn't recognize the man in the mirror Then I laughed and I said Oh silly me, that's just me Then I I gotta say pretty pimpin' 